Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. got your Bibles, um, head over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9 is going to be this morning. And um, hey, while you guys are turning there, uh, we have got two things coming up in the life of our church that I asked not to be on LP News because I wanted them in my mouth. All right. So number one, number one, mark your calendars, move your vacations, whatever you got to do and bring your Kleenex. Next week is Baptism Sunday at Lake Point Church, and we are really, really excited about this. So here, here's what's going to be happening if you're new. Uh, man, I got three weekends a year that are like, uh, you know, no apologies. They're my favorite weekends of the year. I love Easter Sunday. If the tomb is empty, anything's possible. I love Christmas for a million different reasons. I like the candles. You, you name it. I love the whole thing. Okay. The other ones are Baptism Sundays. And if you're new here, what you're going to see next week is you're not going to see one or a dozen or a few dozen. You are going to see at all of our campuses hundreds and hundreds of people who have crossed the line of faith to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's right, man. And uh, man, we're really excited about it. So here's what, here's, listen, I'm telling you right now, you are hearing it from me. Bring your dang Kleenex, okay? Because I, I'm tired of, uh, of people grabbing me in the lobby and saying, you should have told me to bring Kleenex. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, bring your Kleenex next week. Uh, so be ready for that. Now, two things I wanna say. One, I already said that if you're, if you're gonna be here and you're watching, bring your Kleenex, that's your heads up, okay? Number two, if you are one of those people who like you've crossed a line of faith here at Lake Point, and, uh, but you haven't yet taken that step um, to be baptized. Uh, let me just say, like, as your pastor, l- let me say something just really straightforward to you, man. That when you trusted Jesus, you did not just receive a, a Savior, you bent your knee to a Lord. And Jesus does not just want to save us from sin's penalty, as awesome as that is, and he does that. He wants to do way more than that. He wants to free you from sin's power. And we do that by following Jesus with our lives. And so when you signed up, when you bent that knee, you were going, man, you're my Lord. I'm going to do whatever you say. You're smarter than me. I'm going with you, man. And so, so what you did is the first thing that Jesus commands you to do as a follower of his is to be baptized, to be dunked in water. And that's like you publicly, you like coming out as a Christian, you telling everybody like, this is my identity. This is who I am. This is the most important thing about me. And so, man, you'll see hundreds of people do that next week. And if you're here and you're like, ah, you know, I just, I just don't know, man. I don't, I don't know how I feel about being in front of everybody. And you know, what are people going to think? Um, hey, Lake Point family, can you help me show all the people that are being baptized next week what we think about it? Can you help me? Come on, man. That's right. That's it, man. And it, it just like, dude, it just, it never gets old, man. It never gets old. So that's number one. If that's you, would you text the word LIFE to the number 20411? Text LIFE to 20411 right now so we can celebrate with you next week. Now, the other thing I want to point out is next weekend is Women's Night. So that's coming up. 
Boom, there it is, September 16th. That's coming up, not this Friday, but next Friday, whatever September 16th is. That sounds right, okay? Jana's gonna be there. She's got it on the calendar. Now, let me just say this, okay? Let me say this. Now, I got a point to this. This is a little story I got a point to. Has anybody heard about the new store in New York City? It's called the Husband Store, okay? Track with me. You can go in and you can shop for a husband. There are six floors in this store, but here are the rules. You can only visit each floor one time, and each floor you go up, the value increases. You can choose any item from a particular floor. You can go up a floor, but you cannot go back down. So there's a woman that went to the husband's store to find herself a husband, and on the first floor, the sign on the door read, these men have jobs. And she thought, yeah, see, somebody said, woo, that's, that's because, because the lady was going, that's better than what anybody else I'm finding. You know, so that, that, was, uh, that was floor one, but she thought, well, the value increases, so let me see what's on floor two. And this floor two, the sign said, these men have jobs and love kids. And she went, that's amazing, man. But she, I gotta see what's on floor three. So the, the floor three, the sign read, these men have jobs, love kids, are an ex- and are extremely good looking. And she thought, man, <laughs> we're having a revival over here in this section. <clears throat> And she thought, man, oh, that sounds pretty good, but I'm just, I'm compelled to go on to the next floor. Well, she got to the fourth floor and the sign read, these men have jobs, love kids, are drop dead gorgeous, and they help with the house. And she just thought, man, it's over here, man. It's just spreading all over the room. And she thought, whoa, man, like mercy. I can hardly stand it. And she said, still, I've just got to go on to see what's on the fifth floor. So she went to the fifth floor. The sign read, these men have jobs, love kids, are drop dead gorgeous. They help with the housework and they have a very strong romantic streak. And she just nearly passed out. She said, well, what in the world could possibly be better? And so she was like, well, I've just, I've got to go to the sixth floor to find out. And so she went to the sixth floor and the sign read, the sign read, you are visitor 31,456 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists as proof that women are impossible to please. (laughs) Now, that's funny. Now, husbands, I said that, say this, husbands. All right, man, listen, your job for women's night it, you're jealous and we're going to help her out. We're going to fix her, okay? Just hang on. Just hang tight. Hang tight. Hang tight, okay? So your job is just to say, babe, I got the kids that night. I got childcare taken care of. You go do your thing. I, w- I want you to be blessed. Now, okay, now every man in the room, I need you to plug your ears. Everybody, every dude in the room, no listening from any dudes. Now, ladies, here's the deal. We know they are the problem, not you. There is nothing wrong with you at all. We know that. You're tired of picking up their clothes and putting down their toilet seats. We know the issue. So we all, here's all we want to do. We're not going to fix you. We just want to bless you. We're going to encourage you, refresh you. It's going to be awesome, okay? So that's what, that's what uh, Women's Night is, is going to be. So you can, for ladies, sign up. I think there's already a couple thousand ladies signed up. There's still two more weeks. It's going to be real fun. So you can text the word events to the number 20411. Events to 20411. We'll get you in. All right, here we go. This sermon has no intro. We are getting right to Bible teaching. We are in week four of a series that we're just calling Life Hacks. A life hack is something where you're like, man, I didn't know that I could solve this problem with that thing. That's a life hack. And what we're doing today is we are hitting hacking finances. Now, let me just say this, okay? This, I believe, is the best message I can bring you. I'm not saying it's the best message. I'm not saying it's one that's gonna be most personally relevant to your life. It's the best message I can bring you because, and by the way, almost nothing you're getting ready to hear is super original to me. Jana and I heard this Bible teaching early in our marriage 
we walked a lot of this, we walked this personally in our lives, and this, more than anything else you're gonna hear in this series, has changed our life personally, and if y'all listen fast enough, I'll have time to tell that story at the end. I haven't been able to yet, but if you listen fast enough, we'll be able to, okay? So let's get right into it. Second Corinthians 9, what's happening here is Paul, the apostle that was over all these churches. Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, he's getting ready to take up a financial collection from a church in Corinth so they can take it and help some Christians in Jerusalem, okay? Now, in that uh, little section, he does a side note and he explains to the Corinthian Christians some principles that God has like woven into the fabric of the universe about how God relates to our finances and the spiritual principles that undergird finances. Now, I'm going to read you this passage. I'm going to point out a few things. But there's one underlying principle that threads the needle through all this stuff. And I'll kind of lift it out. So check this out with me. This is 2 Corinthians 9. It says this. It says, now I want you to say the yellow words on this first, uh, first part out loud with me. It says, uh, remember this. Whoever sows, that's great job, sparingly, will also reap. That's great, great job, sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also Reap generously. Now, did you see that's really important? Two words, sow and reap. Okay, I'm, I'm coming back to that. Now, he goes on, he says, each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. He's going, God, God, God didn't want that. God's a dad and dads love it when their kids show them how much they love them. So he's, he's going, God, God loves a cheerful giver. You're his kids. He, he, wants, he wants cheerfulness in our giving. And then he goes, and God is able to bless you abundantly. He's able to bless you. I'm going to talk more about that abundantly so that in all things at all times. Now, I do want you to say this. Say these yellow words with me. Having all that you need, all that you need. I'm coming back to that. It's important. You will abound. Why? In every good work. That's why God wants to bless you. So you can abound in blessing in this world. That's what he says. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Now he goes on and check this out. He says, he, here's these words again. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. There it was, it was again, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And, and then he finishes up here. You'll be, you'll be enriched, not, not just financially. He says, you'll be, you'll be enriched in every way. There's like, a, there's like a whole life, whole spirit blessing that comes with this uh, so that you can be, Why? Not, not just so that you can get the new countertops and upgrade to the $80,000 SUV. No, 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 no. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, here's what we're going to do. You're going to notice that in this passage, what he does is Paul takes these principles that are farming principles that uh, relate to seeds and sowing. And he says, here's how God has woven into the universe how he relates to our finances. Now, I'm going to give you in these, uh, the, the next few minutes, these three, I'm going to call them seed principles. And again, I learned this from other people, but seed principles. And heads up, when I say these different principles, when I first say them, you're going to think, well, duh, dummy. Like that's, that's the most basic thing I heard. But what's interesting is things that are so obvious to us in one area of life we'll be blind to their relevance in another area of our, of our lives and we'll miss out on blessing, okay? So I just want you to see this, okay? Here we go. I'm gonna start. Very straightforward. Seed principle number one is you reap what you sow. This is what the Bible's teaching. You reap what you sow. Galatians just says it like this. It says, don't be deceived. You reap what you sow. And, and here's what you got. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. So if you sow corn, 
you're going to reap corn. If you sow wheat, you're going to reap wheat. To reap apples, you've got to sow apple seeds. And Bible scholars have pointed out, this is actually a principle God established as a law at the foundation of the universe. When he created everything, I'll just, I'll just read it to you actually from Genesis 1. It says, And the earth brought forth grass, forth grass, the herb that yields seeds according to its kind. And the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself, according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay, now, what Paul does in this passage is he takes this principle of sowing and reaping, you reap what you sow, and he applies it to money and tithing. And he says, hey, if you want to reap finances, you've got to sow finances. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Now, all right, let me pause. Because right now, there are some of you who it's like I just reached into a bag, grabbed a whole fistful of red flags and threw them at your face. Because right now, some of you are like, whoa, Josh, you're saying that Paul teaches a prosperity gospel that it's all about cash and prizes. Now, Really quick, let me just explain something. What I want to do right here is there absolutely is, some of you are new to the conversation, there absolutely is like a dangerous, spiritually destructive, false teaching called the prosperity gospel that will ravage your soul. You'll think you're doing awesome and actually you're doing awful, okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to give you two bad, one good. Two things the Bible doesn't teach and one thing that it absolutely does teach. So one thing, let me, two bad, one good. Here's number one that we want to reject. We do want to reject the prosperity gospel. And if you're new to the combo, here's what the prosperity gospel is. It teaches this. It teaches that God is like a spiritual pinata in the sky, that your faith is like a stick you use to whack him. And if you just whack him hard enough with strong enough faith, then cash and prizes will fall out of the sky. It's like you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and it's all about that. And the richer you are, the more righteous you are, and the poorer you are, the less faith you obviously have. All right, now, the problem with that teaching is the Bible. Okay, that's the problem with that teaching, okay? And let me just point something out, man. All throughout the Bible, there are people with great faith that ended up with small bank accounts, but who will be rich in the kingdom of God. Guys, let me just be really honest, man. If you have your eyes open to what the Bible's actually teaching, go read Ecclesiastes, man. Financial blessings are about 247th down on the list of good things God can give you. And if the best thing your God can give you is a 5,000 square foot house and a $70,000 SUV, let me be really honest. Your God does not love you very much and he's not very powerful. Man, the other problem with the prosperity gospel is what it does is it teaches people to fall in love with the blessings and actually not care about the blesser at all. These people don't end up wanting God. They just want what God can give them. And so they end up using God like a prostitute instead of loving him as a bride. The church is the bride of Christ. Man, hey, Lake Point Church. Man, hey, Lake Point Church, man. Lake Point Church, can I just remind us, man, we don't follow Jesus because he makes life better. We follow Jesus because he is better than life. Man, that, that's like our whole thing, man, that God himself, through the presence of the spirit in your life, that's the greatest blessing that you get for following him and everything else is a distant second. So that's number one, okay? Prosperity gospel, we're not doing that. Here's the other thing we're not gonna do. Some people see the prosperity gospel get taught and they like, especially my generation and down has sometimes done this. They like overcorrect and they start believing something, I'll, I'll just call it the poverty gospel. And it goes like this. Nobody ever says it out loud. It's just a mentality you see, and here's the mentality. The poorer you are, the holier you are. And the more wealthy you are, the more evil and sinful you are. 
It's kind of this mentality that starts to creep into some people where it's like, you think you're supposed to feel guilty for anything you have that persecuted Christians in Iran don't have. It's like you're supposed to, the more tortured your soul is, the more righteous your soul becomes. It's kind of the poverty gospel. Now, we never say it out loud, but it kind of seeps into conversations all over the place. I'll give you a humorous example. So years ago, um, when I was a pastor in Nashville, there was a guy that came, he came over from Atlanta and uh, it was a pastor uh, that w- wanted some coaching. And so I spent a weekend with him and we were driving uh, to a lunch meeting and we passed this like baller neighborhood. It was like all the NFL players and corporate execs live in this neighborhood. And uh, dude pointed up at the ha- this house on this hit- gorgeous house on a hill and he went, uh, man, look at that. And I knew it just so happened that the owner of that house was a member uh, at my church. And so I said, well, man, actually, funny thing, that guy goes to my church. And this church planner, he just kind of like got this little, you know, snide side eye. And he went, huh, sounds like somebody needs to hear a sermon on greed. Okay. Now, I don't know what happened to me. It may have been low blood sugar. But for some reason, when he said that, like something in me snapped and like an irrepressible rage welled up within me because I knew some things about this guy. And so like I literally, I like slow down the car. I look at this dude in the car next to me and I'm like, hey man, there's some things you need to know about that guy. Number one, that guy is unbelievably generous. Number two, you don't know that guy has given hundreds of thousands of dollars above his tithe to missions efforts all over the globe. What you don't know is that guy just paid for the plane tickets to and from China for a couple in his life group that's adopting from China, to and from China. What you also don't know is that guy just flew our entire church leadership team to and from Chicago, flight, room, board, meals, all the way back just because he wanted to be a blessing to us. That guy actually offered his house to our church anytime we want it at our, on our schedule. And he bought that huge house so he could host events for the church. And then I just went full send on this guy. And I just like, and I just said, actually, I don't think he's got a greed problem. I think you've got a jealousy problem. <laughs> now, and then I said, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> like, that was, a, that was a little much. Now, in all seriousness, this mentality starts to kind of uh, seep into our hearts and that, that's a poverty gospel. And now, here, here's what happens, guys. Uh, here, here's what happens in the world. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. That's what always happens. So God will create a standard and Satan will counterfeit that standard with something that sounds like it. So what our world is saying, over, like more and more and more, our culture says this. It says rich people equal bad and poor people equal good. But that's a counterfeit of God's righteous standard. The divide, guys, the dividing line of the Bible isn't between rich and poor, it's between generous and greedy. And man, whether you like it or not, what you're gonna see is that, man, there are some generous rich people and there are some greedy poor people, just like there are some generous poor people and there are some greedy rich people. In fact, man, can I, let me just say something that some of you might not know what to do with this. I'm just gonna say it, man. Some of you, God has blessed with the ability to make and distribute money. He just blessed you with that ability. You've spent your entire life in churches hearing from pastors making you feel guilty for that. Can I just say something for you? Number one, don't feel guilty for it at all. Number two, that's a gift God may have given you. And number two, can I just say this? Do you know what we actually may need from some of you? Here's what we need from some of you. We need some of you to absolutely crush it, make as much money as you can and pour it out for the kingdom of God. Like, we need you, man. We need you to do that. And so listen, man, just lean into whatever gift God has given you. So watch this. We don't want a prosperity gospel. 
And we don't want a poverty gospel, but what the Bible does teach is, watch this, a provision gospel. That when we return our firsts to God, he promises that our needs will be taken care of and that we will bless so be blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. You reap what you sow. Now, <clears throat> right now is where some of you are like, well, Josh, I would love to sow finances. You're going, but bro, what finances? <laughs> like, I don't I don't, I don't got any of that in my life, okay? Well, that, that leads me to number two, and I'm, this is gonna sound tough, but just track with me. There's a real blessing here. That leads me to principle number two. Principle number two is, hey, you, you reap after you sow. Think about how this works with farming. If you were to see a farmer in a field, and you're watching this farmer out here, and the dude's waiting for a crop to come up in a field where he's never planted a seed, and you're like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? And he'd say, well, I, I'm, I'm waiting to reap the harvest before I start sowing the seed. You'd go, hey, uh, I love you, man. Doesn't work like that. You go, hey, you're crazy. But how many people, when it comes to this issue in their lives, they say they're waiting for a harvest before they decide to plant a seed. It sounds like this. It's like, man, when I get a, a little more money, then I'll start tithing. Or hey, whenever I make that sale or sell that business, then I'll decide to be generous, okay? Can, can I just say something may have a bit of an edge to it, but like just hang on, just let me come back to it and explain it. For some of you, what you need to hear, this is what Jan and I are, are learned the very first year of our marriage. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe because you reap after you sow. That's just how it works. You reap after you sow. And God designed it so that you had to, re so that we return to him the first of what we have. Now, on this, again, this is a spot where some people get hung up. So let me give you a quick taxonomy, a little theology on this real quick, okay? There's three different ways people think about money and their possessions, okay? Some people, they say, what's mine is mine. That's called selfishness. We're called not to be selfish, but to be selfless and pour ourselves out for the world. So what's mine is mine, that's called selfishness. Now, other people, they say, what's yours is mine, and that's called stealing, unless you're the government, and then they call it socialism, but that's a different sermon, okay? Now, I don't got time for that one now. Now, there's a third one. There's a third one. The Bible says, watch this. The Bible says, is, the Bible is, says, hey, it's not what's mine is mine, selfishness. It's not what yours is mine, stealing. The Bible says, watch this. It says, man, what's mine is God's. And that's called stewardship. That's called stewardship. Man, can I, guys, can I just say something to you to remind you of this? It's all God's. It's all God's. Man, let me quote the Bible. What do you have that you didn't receive? Man, everything that you've ever been given, the Bible says in the book of James, everything you ever receive, every good thing in your life, every blessing you ever experience, everything you ever have, everything you ever will be, the Bible says, is a good gift that comes down out of heaven uh, from whom, from God, in whom there is no shadow due to change. Man, what do you have that you didn't receive? It's all God's. Every now and then, like a brand new Christian will grab me and they'll be like, hey, Pastor Josh, you know, how much? And they'll just be talking about their life. Pastor Josh, how much should I give to God? Here's what I always say, everything, everything, man. Man, bring them all your sin, bring them all your shame, bring them all your failures, bring them every mistake you've ever made, bring them every wrecked part of your life and lay it down to the foot of the cross and let Jesus redeem it. Everything, everything belongs to him and he can do it, man, he can do it. And so like, it's all God's. Now, it's all God's, it all belongs to God. But we return, and I use that word on purpose, we return the first tenth back to God. Why? To put him first and to teach us to walk by faith. Now, 
This is called a tithe. Some people, again, this is another spot where people get kind of hung up. I'll be honest. It hurt because of my personal life experience in the Bible. It, it bothers me when people speak negatively about the tithe because I don't think they understand the spiritual principle under it. Guys, do you understand? Jesus was God's tithe. The Bible says that Jesus was the first firstborn and that God loved so he gave his first. The Bible says that he was the seed that fell into the ground and died. God sowed his first seed. God gave his first and his best for us. And so what we do is in response to that, we gladly return our first and our best to him. Now, that's the principle of first. God is first, so we put him first. Now, once you see this or understand this principle, you reap after you sow the first. You start to see it everywhere in the Bible. So you may go, Josh, well, where's that in the second Corinthians passage? I don't see it. Well, in 1 Corinthians, which was the prequel to 2 Corinthians, if you're new around here, okay? In 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, Paul was talking about this whole deal. And this is what he said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 16. Check this out. He said, you, you say the yellow words out loud with me. On, on the what? On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so there will be no collecting when I come. Now, why, would, why, why did Paul have to designate which day to set stuff aside? Why did he say first day? Because God is first, and so we return to him the first. It's the principle of first. You reap after you sow the first. Now, let me just say a few things about this. Number one, about the tithe. You gotta understand, the tithe is proportionate. Tithe means 10th, 10%. The tithe is proportionate. Let me show you this in, in uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your what? All your increase. Good job. Now, I'm coming back to that word. And then it says, then. Now, why does it say then? Because you reap after you sow. So after you've sown, the first part, then you start to reap. It says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay, now go back to that other word. I wanna highlight that word increase. Tithe 10%, so it's increase. Whether you're rich or poor, it's 10 cents on every dollar. So it's fair. Now, uh, for some people, as they start to make more, that starts to become a little daunting. I'll give another humorous example. This is a true story that I have full permission to tell about a Lake Point member, okay? So I, I got permission to tell this story. There's a man named Rob at Lake Point who's a, a friend and he's been a deep encouragement to me. And many, longtime Lake Point member, and many years ago, he met Christ and kind of had his life changed here at Lake Point. Well, and, and for those of you who are new, you gotta know, I am obviously not the first pastor of Lake Point Church. Before me, for 40 years, there was like a generationally anointed pastor. Pastor Steve Stroop led this church faithfully, that's right, uh, for 40 years, spiritual father and uh, just an incredible man. And uh, Rob was changed under Pastor Steve's ministry, gave his life to Christ, he started tithing. Well, he's already blessed, and so he's, back then he's making around $80,000, so his tithe was $8,000. Well, when he began to do that, man, just, you know, his life was blessed and, you know, his income eventually uh, grew to around $200,000. And he grabbed, at the campus where I'm standing right now, right out there in that lobby, he grabbed Pastor Steve one week and he said, Pastor Steve, this tithing thing, like, bro, this, he didn't say bro, this was, that's me. <laughs> he, but he said, hey, th this thing is, uh, this is getting too expensive it is tithing thing is getting too expensive. When I first started, you know, I was making eighty thousand. I was tithe was eight thousand. Well, now I've had an increase in my life. I'm making two hundred thousand dollars. I'm I'm giving away twenty thousand dollars a year. Too much. 
And Pastor Steve, he reached out and he said, Rob, I can fix this for you immediately. Let me pray for you. And he just said, dear Lord, would you please reduce Rob's salary back down to 80,000 so he feels like he can afford to tithe and obey you? And, and Rob said, no, 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 I'll do, I'll do the, the 10% thing. I'll do that. Now, you see that is, uh, is it's proportionate. Okay, because God is first and best, no matter how much or little we make, we return our first and our best to him. Now, principle number two, the tithe, watch this, it belongs to God. This is really important, it belongs to God. Check this out from the book of Exodus. It says, the first of the first fruits. So just making sure you all get this. He's saying the first. Now, let me just pause. Why, why is it first fruits? Well, because if you're a farmer, the first fruits are the first things that come out of the ground and God's saying, return that to me. Why, why that part? Because it takes faith to give the first. It doesn't take faith to wait till the end, see how much comes in, and then give. It takes faith to give the first. So he says, give, give the first fruits. I want to teach you to walk by faith. And then he says this, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, this is interesting. The Bible never uses the word give with the tithe. It uses the words bring and return. Why? Because the first belongs to God and you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. You can only return it or bring it, okay? So this is what's happening here. It belongs to God. Now, once you start to see this principle, you see it everywhere in the Bible. So for instance, when Israel starts going into Canaan and they uh, conquer uh, Jericho, God says to bring all the gold and silver back into the house of God and you may be going, wait, wait, why did he say all? Why didn't he say 10%? Because Jericho was the first city. So you see, return the first and then the rest are blessed. That's what God was saying. Okay, I'll give you another one. Now, uh, I've been in Bible studies before where people look back at Genesis chapter four and they'll go, hey, why did God accept uh, Abel's offering and reject Cain's offering? And I've seen some people go, well, you know, that's a great question. I don't know. I'm gonna read it to you and Every single person in here, you're immediately gonna, you'll see it immediately, why God rejected one and accepted the other. Check this out in Genesis four. It says, in the course of time, so eventually, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn, firstborn, of his flock, and then watch how God responds. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Did y'all see it? It was right there. One of them brought the first, and the other one waited to the end, and then gave, gave God the last part. And God said, well, that, that wasn't my part. My part was the first part. Now, I'm gonna take like a step. I'm gonna do a little conjecture. And I, I'm actually gonna say, it wasn't just that God wouldn't receive uh, Cain's offering. I'm actually going to say is that he couldn't receive Cain's offering. Now, when I say that, some of you may go, whoa, Josh, God's like the omni-god, like omniscient, omnipresent, you know, omnipotent. He can do anything. Actually, no. Uh, the Bible says there's a few things God can't do because they would be a violation of his character. So for instance, the Bible says that God can't lie. God can't lie because God is truth. Uh, I'll give you another one. The Bible says that God can't change. Theologians call this the immutability of God. God can't change because if God could change, that would mean he could get better and he can't get any better because he's already best. Immutability of God. Um, I'll give you another one. Um, the Bible says that God can't think like we think. 
Uh, theologians call that the omniscience of God. You guys got to know this. God is always thinking about everything at the exact same time. If you try to think like that, uh, you're going to trip breaker. That's not going to go good for you. So let me say this a different way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. No one has ever told God something that made God go, oh, my self. That has never happened. That is never going to happen. Never, ever, ever going to happen. Now, that's called the uh, omniscience of God. Now, let me do one last one. God can't be second. Theologians call this the preeminence of God. The Bible says that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Now, let me just say something. Just because God's not first, first in your life, let me heads up, he's still first in the universe. Your order doesn't change his order. But when you put him first, there's blessing that comes. When you order God first in your life, everything else in your life begins to fall into order. Now, uh, none of us, very few of us, <laughs> very few of us are ranchers or farmers. So let me give one last illustration here to make uh, something really clear. So let's say um, you are a landscaper and you come to my house to do a landscaping gig. And uh, the payout on the gig is $1,000 and I hand you 10 $100 bills. Now, pop quiz class. Tithe means 10th. How much is a tithe on $1,000? How much is it? Brilliant. Uh, highest response ratio of any service. This is the smartest service at Lake Point. This is it, okay? All right, there we go. Now, um, let, me, let me ask a little harder question. So you're right, $100 out of 1,000, that's tithe. Now, let me ask a harder question, okay? 10 $100 bills, but which, one, which bill is the one that goes to God? First one. <laughs> this is the best service, yeah. The first it's the first one, the first one in your hand. Now, don't get legalistic about this. So I'll give an example. So in our house, um, we've got a saying that we automate what's important. So for instance, all you toddler moms, you're gonna get this. It is important to us that Hudson can watch Coco Melon on Netflix for Jana's sanity. That is important. Okay, there's applause back there. I, I hear you. I see that hand. Okay, that, that's it. It's important. So we automate our Netflix payment. That's important to us. It's important to us that we have a roof over our heads. So we automate our mortgage payment, okay? Now, I'll be really honest. If the thing that's most important to us is the first that belongs to God, I'm not gonna automate Netflix and not automate God. So in our house, like we automate our tithe. That comes out first day of every month. Now, here's an example, okay? Let's say on the first of the month I wake up, I'm an early riser, I'm in my chair and I'm reading. And I look at our bank account and the tithe hasn't come out yet, but I see Jana come into the house and she came back from Tom Thumb where she bought some soy milk or whatever she buys. And she comes in, I see a receipt in her hand and I realize she bought something at Tom Thumb before the tithe came out of our account. Do you know what I don't do? I don't go, well, that's great, babe. Now we're cursed. I work hard, you to ruin everything. No, 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 that's not how it works. It, see, you don't get legalistic. It's just the first in priority. It's whatever is first in your heart. And if you go home and say, okay, let's set some aside for the mortgage and some for food and some for clothes, and then what's left, we'll find God's part out of that. No, 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 hey, that's not God's part. God's part is the first. That's why he says in the book of Malachi, you bring me animals that are blind and lame. In other words, you wait till all of them are born and then you bring me the leftovers. He goes, I do not receive it. So let me just ask you a question. In your heart, is God first? And many people that don't tithe, they say, well, we, but in my heart, God's first. Yeah, yeah, but guys, Jesus said, this is Jesus. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So listen, we can say all day long that God's first in our lives. If he's not first in our finances, he's not first. 
And there's one thing you reap after you sow. There is only one thing in the whole Bible that God says, you can actually test me in this. Book of Malachi says, test me in this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so great that your storehouses cannot contain it. Listen, I have experienced this and believe in this so strongly. I used to tell my church in Nashville, if you will tithe for a year, if at the end of the year you are not fully satisfied, I'll give you your money back. I'm going to say this to you. I believe in this so strongly that if you tithe for a year, if at the end of the year you are not fully satisfied, Pastor Steve will give you your money back. That's going to be awesome, man. That's it. Now, that's just a joke. Now, let me just say, some of you are like, ah, this is just, I don't know, man. I don't, this is, I don't know about this, okay? Let, let me just give you one. The, the last principle is why you need to release this in your heart. And here's the last principle from 2 Corinthians 9 is you reap more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And actually, because some people are skeptical of this, listen, I just want to show it to you in the Bible. We already read it in Proverbs 3. You're going to see it here. I'm going to quote a verse from Jesus here in a second. Look, look at what it says in 2 Corinthians. It says, "He who supplies, you say the yellow word out loud. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Okay, now here's what I want to do. I want to land a plane right here by giving you a visual illustration of all three of these seed principles in one visual, okay? So uh, let me do this. I'm gonna give you a visual. Janie, will you come up here? And guys, by the way, Janie did not know she was doing this until today, so will you please give her a warm welcome? It's intimidating to be up here. So Janie, you can go ahead and get up here, okay? All right, Janie serves on our, by the way, Janie serves on our production team. Will you guys thank our production team? We've got an awesome, come on, production team. That's right, okay. Now, Janie, will you stretch out your hand? And so this is like just a little illustration. A lot of us, you know, when we start out in life or we start following Jesus, there's a spot in our life where we're going, man, honestly, like, I don't have anything. I, I got nothing. And then you, you start following Jesus, and there comes a point in your life where here, here's what I got right here. I got a, I got a bean. <laughs> a bean. Some of you are like, well, Josh, that's, that's what I got too, beans. That's all I got. Okay, that's okay. It's a bean, but remember, a bean is a type of seed. And so you start following uh, Jesus, and there comes a point in your life where God entrusts you with something small, just like one thing. And then for a lot of us, what happens is like as soon as that happens, all of a sudden, like our faith gives way to fear, and the only thing we can think about is losing that thing that God put in our hand and so all of a sudden, we just, yeah, tighten your fist around it. Don't let me get it. Don't, so I can't get it. And we tighten our fist around it so we don't lose that thing. I'm holding on to it. Um, but here's the thing. Yeah, keep it out there. The problem is, as soon as we do that, as soon as I'm like clinging to the one thing that God entrusted me with first, all of a sudden, the, the Bible says that God wants to bring blessing. Maybe it's not always financial, but God wants to bring blessing in my life. But because I'm like clinging onto that thing, I'm in a position where actually like God's trying to pour out more blessing in my life, but I, I can't receive it because I'm in, a, I'm in a clinging posture, okay? And so God's doing that. You, know, just keep it, you keep that one there. And so God's doing that. He's like, man, like I actually want to pour out more blessing in your life, but because of your posture, like I, nothing can get in. Um, but then you're going to notice this. So Janie, will you just open your hand? And we just release what you got there. What you're going to notice is that the whole rhythm of the Christian life is this. It's receive and release. Receive and release. 
receive and release. And so there comes a moment in your life, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, it, give you the visual again. There comes a moment in your life where you're like, okay, God, like, I'm gonna trust you. <laughs> I'm gonna try following you by faith. And so we do it, maybe for the first time in my life, and Janie, will you just release it? We release that thing that God entrusts us with, and remember, whoever is faithful with a small thing, God says that's the one that's ready to be entrusted with more. And so as soon as we're faithful to release, then God goes, hey, now you're in a position to receive, and so boom, I can receive, now release, and now I can receive, now release, and now I can receive, and now release, and this is what happens, receive and release, because I'm in a posture to receive, so God can pour out more. But watch this, this is really interesting. Remember what Jesus said. A lot of people think, oh, Jesus didn't say this stuff, Josh. Remember what Jesus said. He said, give, and it will be given to you. With the same measure you pour out, it will be measured back to you, pressed down, shaken together, good measure, overflowing. And so then God starts saying, man, like Janie's releasing what, it, what she's receiving. And so he goes, well, instead of this, I'm, I'm gonna use a new measure to pour out in Janie's life because she can be trusted with it. So with the measure she's gonna pour out, I'm gonna pour in. And so it starts to be like this. Okay, receive, now release. Receive, now release. Receive. Now release, receive, release, receive, release, receive, release. And it's like, God, I can do that. Now you can release. Now, remember, that's awesome. But, but guys, God is not just an enough God. He's a more than enough God. Like he is able to do immeasurably, exceedingly more than all you can ask or imagine. And so for some people, God will see this and go, hey, I'm seeing that actually Janie is ready to pour out a lot more so I know that I can pour in more. So Janie, will you put two hands in with a new measure that you can pour out? And God goes, well, you're gonna use a new measure. I'm gonna use a new measure. So let's do this. God goes, okay, let's do this. All right, how about this? Receive, now release. Receive, release, receive, release, receive, release, receive, release, receive, release, receive, release. And God goes, awesome. Will you please give her a hand? Give Janie a hand. That's right, man. And God's going, hey. You, he said, I'm literally quoting 2 Corinthians. You will be blessed. You will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. He's going, I'm waiting for you just to, by faith, release what you have been entrusted to receive. And so what I want to do is that maybe for the first time in some of your lives, that you'll take a small step of faith and you will begin to experience what happens when you put God first in your life. And so like, would you please let me pray for you right now? And so at all of our campuses, Father, I pray that right now that you would be sending your spirit to preach a sermon inside the chest of men and women that I cannot preach. And so God, would you be, I pray that you'd be planting seeds of faith. Your word says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so right now, would there be a faith rising inside of us that man, God is trustworthy that he is first and he is worthy of first. And so I wanna make him first. And God, as we do that, I pray that these people would see the faithfulness of their God. And so Lord, we just wanna be people who walk by faith for your glory and the good of the nations. We pray that in the crucified, risen name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, Join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital.